0: Hi, welcome to my podcast, which is, as of, which is as of yet unnamed. My name is Jim, and I uh, hope you'll stick with me for the next few minutes while I ramble incessantly about life in general. All right, all right, what's going on here? Well, it's Monday afternoon. I didn't go to my rehab uh, workouts uh, over in Elizabethtown uh i overslept and just didn't feel like it to be honest it's three o'clock and i just it was a rainy miserable morning today and i just didn't really care like driving in the rain to be honest not a very good reason i know but uh, i will won't miss wednesday and third and friday that's for sure all right uh, my son is off work today he's a volunteer at the local saint vincent de paul and he uh, he decided not to go in today because he had some phone calls to make regarding his job search. He uh, he's uh, looking for some uh, good-paying work, and in the meantime, he's volunteering at the Saint Vincent de Paul Mission Store, which keeps him busy. And uh, also, he's made some good contacts there. He's got some good job references, so that uh, that that actually is paying off. Um, anyway, the big news uh, this past weekend is. Uh, For the last couple of weekends, my wife and I, we've decided to go to St. Michael uh, Catholic Church, which is a historic little, and I mean little, uh, church, um, not far, about seven miles away from our house. Uh, It's not our normal parish. We usually go to to Holy Trinity, which is on the county line, and that little community is called Fredericktown, and that uh, community of about 100 people. And that's uh, actually where my mom was born and raised and her ancestors before her. Uh, So, uh, and I still have an aunt and uncle who live there and cousins who live in the area and still go to church there too. So, I have ties to that community and it's also where uh, my wife went to Mass, where she went to school uh, when she was a little girl. And then also, uh, they were parishioners there as well. So, and we were married there 34 years ago, uh, going on 35 years. So we, uh, uh, we have ties to that parish. And, and after wandering around from parish to parish for a while, we just decided to register and stay at Holy Trinity. We formerly were members of uh, St. Michael. Um, but, um, and, and it's a wonderful little parish. Uh, our daughter played flute uh, with the uh, choir years ago. That's been years ago before us, our daughter found out she was an atheist. Uh, that's the subject of another podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, we found out last night, or actually uh, month Saturday night, that they're moving their mass times on Saturday from 7 p.m. to up to 5 p.m. Well, that's a, that's a huge inconvenience. Uh, Holy Trinity's Mass time on Saturdays is 4 o'clock. And uh, it's 4 and 5 o'clock is just early, and it kind of messes up the whole day. You know, because you barely have time to get anything started in the afternoon before you've got to stop and get ready for church. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just inconvenience. 7 o'clock is a much better time. And so uh, Holy uh, uh, St. Michael's, Uh, always had 7 o'clock on Saturday night so so you know uh, and and this is a very Catholic community there are probably more churches in the county than there are in any county uh, surrounding us except for Jefferson County which is which is where Louisville is Um, this was a uh, um, you know 200 plus years ago Catholics from uh, Baltimore um, Maryland uh, who had immigrated to the United States from Europe um, moved uh, moved west and a great many of them settled in uh, in our county and as a result uh, we have uh, oh gosh I haven't counted the number of Catholic churches we, we have but we have a bunch a bunch of small Catholic churches and uh, the most of the population uh, at least up until the last 30 years was Catholic So, um, anyway, so they're changing the mass time, and I'm kind of mourning that because St. Michael's uh, 7 o'clock mass was always the one you could catch on Saturday, uh, especially if you were busy on Sunday and couldn't make Sunday morning mass. Now, I never went to a Saturday mass uh, as a kid, uh, and I remember it being something new uh, when they began offering mass on Saturday nights. And... um, Anyway, um, just because of uh, the way life has worked out, we, uh, we generally go on Saturdays. Uh, now, a local parish has a Sunday night mass at, um, at what's it, 6.30. And, um, you know, there are so many different mass times around the county that uh, there's no reason to not go to mass at some point. Uh, and I have—I will tell you—over the years, when you're speaking of faith, I have wavered back and forth uh, tremendously on my belief. Uh, it's been quite a, uh, quite a, quite a journey. When I was in college, I went back to college when I was 20. How old was I? 27, 28. I went back to college to study journalism. And I remember I was so afraid people would laugh at me for going back to college. I kept it a secret for as long as I could, and I didn't even tell my own family members that I was going to college for fear that they would laugh at me. I was that that uh, afraid of being laughed at and humiliated, uh, so I didn't tell anybody. Um, <clears throat> so uh, anyway, moving on along, as I went through college, uh, my um, I had been kind of a kind of a uh, what they call a cafeteria Catholic anyway uh, kind of pick and choose what I wanted to follow or wanted to believe in uh, not very strong faith uh, and and frankly I have for always admired Protestants especially evangelicals who have such strong faith in uh, in, in God and in their own um, in their own um, uh, their own faith, but anyway, um, as I, you know, the thing about a college education is that, you know, uh, when you and I took a religious studies class, and it kind of ruined religion for me for a while because it was a scientific study of religions, and then you 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 learn what you know religions have all certain aspects in common, and then you know you find yourself. You know the the whatever denomination you were raised in, you wonder, well, why is mine, my religion, the right one, and these others aren't right, aren't the correct one, or the only one, or whatever your thoughts may be on that. And uh, the class was taught by uh, a pastor of a four-square gospel church, a very uh, evangelical uh, uh, church, and. Uh, he was a young man full of the spirit, and he, but he taught this class. And of course the class was, was taught as a social science class, not, not necessarily religion, but a study of religion. And uh, we had some tremendous arguments in that class because there were some, there were some people with very strong faith who uh, objected to you know, the studies of other religions is because it legitimized them. Or viewed them as just as legitimate as any other religion, and there were some people in my class that had real problems with that, and so uh, there were a couple. There were some arguments between them and this teacher, and uh, a couple stormed out at several times. Uh, but, but I hung in there because I was fascinated by it. Uh, but it also made me see that uh, you know I had been raised at you know, only Catholics were going to go to heaven, you know, it was that, it was that serious, and you weren't, you know, unless you, uh, that the Catholic Church was the one true church, and uh, this, uh, this study, this class challenged that, and, um, and, and for good reason, you know, because, um, you know, you can say it's the one true church, but is it really? Well, yeah, not really really, because the other religions are valid, and, and even non-Christian religions, why aren't they valid? You know, the uh, uh, Indian, uh, Native American beliefs in the, uh, uh, you know, in the power of nature and uh, Mother Earth, etc., etc., and then you have, uh, you know, uh, uh, non-Christian Far Eastern religions and Buddhism and all the, uh, all the other uh, religious religions of the world why aren't they valid? Well, who's to say they aren't? You know, when you study them as a uh, social scientist, uh, uh, you don't view them in terms of validity and you're not comparing them to your own religion. You're comparing them to religious belief as a system and not as, you know, is this right or wrong? So I ended up with that. That class was fascinating, but I ended up not believing in my own faith after that, because there was it—it it kind of—I'd been raised to think it was something special, out of the norm in the one true church, and uh, uh, well, my class kind of showed me it—it uh, it wasn't. It really wasn't, or I didn't think it was. So, um, anyway, the long story short here is that my uh, faith journey—I quit going to church. I quit, you know, I—I I quit all forms of religious life pretty much Uh, and that killed my wife who she while I was becoming less religious she was becoming more religious she was going to church more and uh, she quit you know birth control and um, uh, things like that so you know we were kind of moving in opposite directions as far as faith went Um, because I had uh, you know she you know, she believed that it was a sin if you missed church and didn't go to mass and didn't go to confession on a regular basis. And I was like, "That's all man-made law, so we don't have to follow it." You know, what's? I still believed in a higher power, but it certainly didn't have to be the Catholic Church version of it. So, uh, so we, yeah, we kind of, um, kind of split in our. Uh, we separated in our views. <laughs> and I stayed that way for quite a while. Um, and finally and uh, I'll tell you what changed my mind was when our when my wife was pregnant with her first child. When uh went I went with to to the ultrasound with her and to see our child in vitro and to see that ultrasound and to see her heartbeat and hear that her heart And suddenly I realized that you know the the sanctity, uh, not just of life, but of creation, and that this was a miracle. Each person, each pregnancy, each person who is born is truly a miracle and and touched by God. And so that uh, that was a transformative moment for me. Uh, and so now my faith journey is kind of waxed and waned, but uh, I no longer didn't say I believed I just knew that uh, uh, and and so I have I have uh, had a couple couple you know different uh, uh, bouts with the Catholic Church when I say bouts of uh, bouts of true faith and uh, uh, spiritual contentment and then other times not so much Uh, but I remain Catholic because that was what I was raised with and I'm uh, and I'm happy with that it's not perfect and I'm angry at the church for various things that uh, that the man-made organization has done. For example, uh, moving pedophile priests around and protecting them, and uh, not giving a hoot about the uh, victims of that abuse. And and uh, I can't tell you how close I was to being a victim because I was an altar boy for many years, and I worked with some of these priests who were. Who were later known as uh, pedophiles. Um, apparently, they chose didn't choose me to abuse uh, for whatever reason, and I'm thankful to God for that. But uh, but it uh, that shook my faith because you know when you're a kid and you're an altar boy, priests are like on a pedestal. You don't really see them as human. They are above. You know they're they're a step up closer to God than, you, you know, than, than the mere mortals. Um, and so that's the way you see them, especially when you go to Catholic school, the priests come over, it's a special moment to have a priest walk in your classroom. You know, I mean, God's representative is there and it's very special. And uh, I remember every time uh, we would uh, always ask the priest for his, for his blessing before he left the room and uh, you know I was probably uh, probably blessed nine times a week you know from <laughs> because the Catholic Church the priests were there quite quite frequently anyway and then uh, of course the scandal of uh, the Catholic uh, the pedophile priest really made me angry because the church's leadership um, knew about these for decades and I'm still angry about that because in our Archdiocese of Louisville, which is, covers central Kentucky, the leadership of the church, the hierarchy, never was punished. They were never held accountable and still haven't been accountable. There are uh, men in the organization who have been there 50 years, 45, 50 years, who knew about these problems and were, had a hand in moving priests and protecting them. And they have never been held accountable. And, and I guess they, they never, they, I guess God will hold them accountable when they die. But they were never been held accountable. And one of the first things that happened back in the 90s when this uh, pedophile problem showed up, you know what they did? Um, they uh, began, well, of course, quietly blaming the victims. And they still continued to protect the uh, uh, all but the most uh, gregarious, the most outrageous uh, priest, uh, who they put on um, uh, on a uh, kind of a religious vacation. Uh, they um, what they really got me was they they mandated new rules that all parishioners who volunteered at the churches had to go through extensive training to identify and identify sexual abuse well the irony there is that it wasn't the prisoners causing the sex abuse it was the damn priest the priests didn't have to go through this training only those of us who work say for example um, every Catholic Church will have religious education for uh, elementary school kids it's called it used to be called CCD but uh, and so if you volunteered to teach CCD or even help in any function at the church with teaching it you had to go through a complete background check and you had to go through classes to so that you could identify sexual abuse well no one has a problem identifying sexual abuse and the perpetrators didn't do shit they didn't have to do anything it was the they punished the people they did you know you couldn't be a uh, you couldn't be a volunteer unless you did these classes and then uh and that and I quit being a volunteer I did I quit I thought this is bullshit I'm not going to be a part of this if they can't accept me you know because I'm not the perpetrator here I'm not the um you know I was more I was closer to being a victim than anything and now they say I have to do the training when there was never a case in the Archdiocese of a single parent or volunteer being a sexual predator. It was all the priest. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Am I angry? Yeah, I'm still pissed about that. It's still bullshit. Call it what it is, you know. Anyway, um, but I have, over the years, since the 90s, I've had to deal with my anger and uh, I finally came to the decision that I can still be angry and be Catholic. You know, I'm, and I'm still, as you can tell, I'm still angry about it. I still uh, still think the uh, Catholic leadership in our archdiocese should be held accountable. They haven't, which is, which is just sad. But, you know, uh, uh, when you have an organization like the church that's man-made and uh, filled with Men who are fallible, just like you and I. Um, you know, we can't uh, we can't expect them to be perfect, and and I think we've learned that lesson. We can't expect priests to be perfect. They have to. They're held accountable. They have to be held to a higher standard. Yes, but you know, and I, I learned this lesson uh, when I was a kid that priests uh, are human. Um, and this was a, a one of my favorite priests who I'm still friends with um, I was it was early it was, I used to serve at 6.30 mass and I would get there at quarter to six and I would get dressed in the cassock and the uh, you know the robes and everything um, a black robe with a white cassock over the top of it and I would I would have the uh, the wine poured in the cruet and the water and I would have everything ready that the as an altar boy i had to have ready and then i would sit and look out the back windows of church they had these uh, dutch i don't know dutch windows that, that basically opened up um, and you you know and so at six in the morning you know the night it would still be dark um, and you could feel the the mist um, coming in and you could hear the crickets and then as the dawn broke the songbirds off in the distance and it was a it was a very reflective time and i loved that time before mass Uh, the priest would come over about 15 minutes before mass and on this particular morning father graff came over and the uh the church and the rectory which is their priest house was connected by a hallway about uh 50 feet 45 50 feet and uh and you could always hear when they slam the door in the priest house it would echo through the hallway and you could hear it in the church in the sacristy where I was and so that was your that was your alert that the priest was coming anyway I heard the door slam, and all of a sudden I heard this I heard this voice cussing up a storm I dance, I'm big, I dance, I'm big. just going on and on and cussing up a blue streak and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Well, it was Father Graf, And he came in and he said, that MF this, God damn it, that, that. And I'm like, and, and I mean, I was stunned. I mean, I was slack jawed just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I truly expected a lightning bolt to come down from heaven and kill us all. Uh, I was just stunned to hear a priest cuss like that. I mean, he was, and he cussed up a blue streak even after he got, got there, and I was just, it scared the hell out of me. Um, anyway, uh, that was quite a lesson. I remember I was stunned all through Mass, and uh, even when I came home after Mass was over, about 7.15, and stayed home till about 8, and then I rode my bike back to, went to go to school, I just remember how stunned I was that the uh, that the, the that this priest cussed like that. I, I you know it, I couldn't even tell my parents about it. I was just so shocked. But uh, that was the lesson I needed to learn that priests are human too. You know, I'd you know growing up in the Catholic school, I thought that they were holier than the rest of us. Well, turns out. Turns out priests are just as human as all of us. And even, uh, even a good priest has a bad day from time to time, which was a very valuable lesson. And in fact, I, uh, I, uh, I saw Father Graf uh, a couple of years ago, and it was at, uh, uh, at, a, at a funeral. and it seems like that's the only place I see him nowadays is funerals. And I told him that story and uh, we had a good we had a good laugh about that but i told him i said that was my that really helped me understand that priests are human and they're not you know because i said we as a kid we saw priests as you know being elevated on a pedestal and he's like yeah you know and he said that's that's you know he said that's that's a tough lesson for kids to learn and I said, well, you taught me that. I said, I told him. I still expect lightning bolt to strike us both dead. But uh, him for saying it and me for hearing it. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. The last time I quit going to church was a couple years ago. Um, the, um, the Catholic Conference of Bishops, it was all the bishops in the United States were having a meeting. And they were going to set... Uh, some new regulations about child abuse and uh, that would apply to not just priests but also bishops. Um, and so they were policing their own basically. Well, the Pope called them, they called the president of the Catholic Conference the night before their meeting and said, "Don't take any action on this." He said, "I'm going to we're going to meet in the spring and we'll take action then on this uh, matter and basically don't don't take any action because you'll look like you're taking action it's going to make the vatican look bad basically was the message so don't take any action so he uh so they took no action well then uh then came the next spring and the promised uh action by the vatican was weak tepid basically it said that uh if you, uh, if uh, a bishop or a priest, uh, can, uh, is accused of uh, uh, sexual abuse, then that has to be reported to the individual's superiors in the church. It didn't require them to report it to civil authorities, which I thought was bullshit. Because again, this uh, this information won't go outside the church, and and there you are, you're back again covering it up. Uh, so I just about, I, I exploded. I thought this was the worst, you know, it, it wasn't even passable as a uh, positive uh, development. And so, uh, so I quit going to church again and uh, was just so angry. And uh, finally, finally, after many months, after months, I decided, you know, it's bullshit, yeah, but I can't quit. I'm still Catholic, and I'm going to remain Catholic, and so, you know, I can hold on to that anger forever, but who's it hurt? The Catholic Church doesn't give a shit that I'm angry. The Pope doesn't care. He really doesn't. So who's it hurt? It hurts me. You know, you hold on to, to that sort of anger and and hate or discontent, and it's like a cancer. It kind of eats at you. And so who, in the end, does it really hurt? It it, it hurts me. And, uh, you know, it it kind of ruined my faith. I let it ruin my faith life. And I decided that, you know, again, it's another example of human error, you know, of of the pope and bishops and everybody being human. Um, And it was a mistake, but I can't let that, I can't hold that against everybody forever, you know. At some point, you have to let it go, and you have to just, you know, you have to just understand that, that uh, you know, there are instances when good people, good leadership, make awful decisions, and that was one of them. All right, well, I have rambled on long enough—28 uh, minutes or so here—so I will end this, and uh, we'll wish you a, a good afternoon. It's about 3:30 here now and uh, time for me to shut up. Hope you enjoyed it, and I'll try to keep my next uh, uh, podcast entries uh, a little more interesting and a little shorter as well. So uh, have a blessed day, and uh, see you next time. Take care.